Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Community Matters here on 103.7 WEEI. I'm your host, Scott Cordishi. Glad that you could join us. Community Matters comes your way each and every Saturday morning and is the show that keeps you in touch with many of the great things that happen in and around our communities here in our listening area of eastern Connecticut, Rhode Island, and southeastern Massachusetts. And this week, joining us on the show, he is the area director for the Rhode Island Resource Conservation and Development Area Council. Paul Dolan is our guest. Paul, good morning. How are you? Morning, Scott. Thank you for having us on. Well, Paul, thank you for joining us. Appreciate the time. First of all, the Rhode Island Resource Conservation and Development Area Council, why don't you explain to our listeners exactly what it is and what your mission is? We've been around since 1974. We were basically an affiliate of the Natural Resource Conservation Service. We would do a lot of pilot programs that we could hire people fairly easy We could do the programs, test them out, see how they worked out, and then have other organizations be able to pick up these programs. What we're presently doing is we're doing a whole variety of different programs. Outreach programs, we're doing women-owned and woodlots, but the one that I'd like to talk about today is our culverts program. Okay, and so since you bring that up, it's uh, the Rhode Island Coverage Project. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? I know Saturday, November 4th is the date from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m., but why don't you tell us about the whole project and give us the details? We have two separate classes, basically. We have a coverage one, which is for beginning landowners to talk to them about taking care of their land. What has happened since Rhode Island has changed from an agricultural state to a heavily forested state, we've lost valuable habitat for a variety of different types of birds and wildlife, you know, like uh, different types of cottontail, but primarily for a lot of our field nesting and first successional birds such as woodcock, bobolink, and meadowlark. So that number had dropped drastically, and there was a big push to get 
some of these areas opened up again so that we could start increasing that type of a missing component in our wildlife area. So that's our first one with COVID-2, and we teach them primarily that type of conservation for habitat in forestry and wildlife. And then we move to our COVID-2, which we are offering. And it's basically, let's say, a graduate level course for those that have participated in our training. And we've had about 200 graduates over the last 15 years. And we're looking at further information. Dr. Scott McWilliams coming in from URI talking about habitat needs assessment for different types of birds. We also have a couple of his interns, graduate students working on that. We have Elizabeth Bonset from DEM Fish and Wildlife. We'll be talking about habitat for graves, uh, the stewardship forester for uh, DEM. She'll be talking about habitat management, forestry. We have a Christopher Riley who's working with URI on climate change. Elena Russell, who is with uh, DEM now, previously with URI. She'll be doing insect and disease control. Also, uh, Pat McKeon from uh, DEM, and he'll be talking about a timely topic now with fire control. And based on the fires that we had last year, it should be quite interesting. I speak on forestry for the birds, and Chris Modisette talks about NRCS and some of the programs they have that can people get money back for some of the practices they do. So the Coverts 2 workshop is Saturday, November the 4th, 8 a.m. to yes. 3 p.m. Lunch is provided. That's all part of the $20 registration fee that covers the materials and the lunch. What can people do? How can people go about registering for the event? They can either call at our number, which is 401-500-0399, or send me an email. Our email address is riicd2283 at gmail.com. I'll send them a confirmation and all the information they need. We can send them out a flyer at that point on the whole program. And is there information about this on your website, riricd.org as well? Yes, there is. There's information on our website. So we've done that for an outreach. Okay, terrific. So just out of curiosity, so I know the Rhode Island Resource Conservation and Development Area Council, I know you do projects related to four different areas, right? Land conservation, community development, land management, and water management. And... When you talk about things of this nature, I'm going to bring up something local. Now, I live in Rumford, Rhode Island, part of East Providence, and I remember, I'm very vague with the details, but I know that Agawam Hunt, which is a golf course that I live very close to, I want to say that there was something involving the sale of that, and I don't know if land conservation got involved, and I don't know if they bought the course because they wanted to preserve it as a conservation area. Do you know anything about that? No, I don't. No, okay. I'm just curious. (laughs) There's a lot of tracts of land that are up for sale. We're not in the arena of purchasing land. Right. I just didn't know how involved you were in those types of situations. We would hand that off to one of the other organizations we deal with. Gotcha. When you talk about the mission of the Rhode Island Resource Conservation and Development Area Council to utilize human and natural resources of Rhode Island to enhance economic, social, and environmental conditions of people in our state, like what exactly are we talking about? From a tangible standpoint, like what exactly are you talking about? 
Our programs deal now with up to a couple of years ago, we did a farm energy program where we actually went to see farms, talked to them about putting solar collectors or some form of an energy saving device on their property. And we would help with some of the funding for that. And that would help them with their match. And we probably did about 15 or 20 projects. And they were development that would stay on the farm. It would not be sell electricity back to the grid. So we did those programs. What we've been doing lately is women owning woodlot because somewhere along the line, 50% of your woodland owners are female and there's a lot of things. They're included, but they're not really active participants. This was a program that was more of an outreach for them. And this weekend we're doing a chainsaw safety course just for women because the equipment is slightly different. The approach is different. And it's one of those things to get them over the fear of using equipment on their farm or woodlots. Paul, since you mentioned the Women Owning Woodlands Project, we had Trish Carr on the show a few months ago talking about chainsaw safety. Tish came in and talked about an intro course that they have with the Women's uh, Forest Guild. And that was basically instructional and people could pop it up on a YouTube video and see it. We have followed up with that, and we have Tish Coward and other women from Maine coming down this weekend for a chainsaw safety course that we are offering, and hopefully the weather will cooperate, but that it will be both instructional and actually practical work in the field. As I said earlier, it's one of those things to get over that hump of teaching. You know, usually people just say, oh, I just started up and stopped working. I think it's very helpful, and that's why we have two female instructors coming in. The sizes are different on everything. The shoes, how do you wear your hard hat, and chainsaw chaps and the safety equipment, the biggest push is uh, safety gear out there, because you don't get that tenth of a second back for a mistake. Right. I know you also do something called the Rhode Island Envirothon, right? That's basically a program for middle school and high school students. We do this outreach. We get teams from high schools and middle schools to participate in uh, different subjects, primarily forestry, soils, wildlife, and aquatics. And we have a special topic each year. Last year was on climate change. This year is on renewable energy. We train them during the year. We do Zoom sessions for the students on each of those proficiency. Last year, because the special topic was climate change, we took the students off to Prudence Island because it's in the middle of the bay and it's one of those areas that was going to be affected primarily by climate change. One of the first lines, we also do the special topic. We have a field trip where we go through all the disciplines and then we meet this year. It's Tuesday, May 21st. We're going... We're working on a site, and we have a competition for the day. And at the end of the day, a winner is announced, and they end up going to the international competition. This year, it's in Geneva, New York. Last year's team, Wheeler, in the international competition, placed 15th. And the year before, Coventry High School placed ninth in it. So our teams have been very successful in the international competition. 
Nice. We're talking to Paul Dolan, Area Director of the Conservation and Development Council. I think another project that I read on your website that you guys are involved in is the Woodland Ambassador Course. That was a while ago, and we've handed that off. Once again, it was a pilot program we worked with, and we handed that off back to some of our partners with the great last of the Great Valley, the one over in the western corridor of Rhode Island, east of Connecticut. That was a very successful program, and that was basically peers talking to peers. Yep. So you would have a tree farmer or a landowner would contact their neighbors, come in, and we talked to them about what they could do with their property and whether they'd want to sell their development rights or do some other further work on their property. So I'm looking at your newsletter for the month of October, and it highlights some other events that are upcoming. For instance, you have a virtual holiday party in December, right? Tell me about that. <laughs> well, that the person I had coordinating our farm energy program when moved on to another organization. I put her on Women Owning Woodlot, and she ended up talking and reading on all this stuff, and a lot of these Women Owning Woodlot things have events where they just talk to each other about common problems, about how they manage their program, etc. So that's basically what this is going to be. We have a speaker coming in. This is all going to be virtually. We've had very good luck with the Zoom. So we have Erin Johnston, who actually talks about things from the past. So she ends up talking and mimicking a environmentalist from the 1900s, started Porter. And she'll talk about that. And then when we're all pretty much done with that, then it would go into a very generic and open discussion on that. Nice. So and, it's and- more of sit down, relax, and let's talk about common situations. What I've tried to do with a lot of these things is hand them over so that the women are running the program and running the uh, outreach and the workshops. I'm basically a facilitator that just helps organizing them, getting speakers, getting them advertised and go from there. That's great. We also have a follow-up on that, which is a very exciting one, and we'll start advertising it fairly soon. At the end of January, we have another virtual workshop, but we have Tom Wessel, who is actually one of the foremost authorities in the United States on reading the forest landscape. Somewhere along the line, as you walk through the woods, it's like, why is there a stone wall in the middle of nowhere? He talks about that, how different trees grow in certain areas, past usage, so we're offering that at the end of January. We'll start advertising that pretty soon. Yeah, that's neat. I see that Saturday, January 27th. And you even get stuff scheduled out into February and March. You have a webinar on evergreens of Rhode Island and then a webinar on winter tree identification. So it looks like you guys have a lot going on. Well, it's, that's intentionally that we don't want to lose the link. You know, that we have these people. We ended up starting this Women Owned and Woodlot series Prior to COVID, we got a grant from the tree farm. We did an initial outreach program where we just presented a whole slew of topics, did a field trip at someone's property, and then COVID hit, and we weren't sure what to do. So when we started slowly getting back into it, doing Zooms, it took a while before we could have in-person programs like everyone else. So we're back 
working the programs, and we're trying to get a program going every month to keep that link going. So one final question for you. How is the Rhode Island Resource Conservation and Develop Area Council funded? Is it supported by donations? Is it on the federal level, on the state level? How is it supported? We've had a variety of grants. Our latest grant is with the Natural Resource Conservation Service. So they've given us a grant to do forestry assistance and wildlife habitat. And previously, it was almost an arm of Natural Resource Conservation Service, like as I said earlier. And then with federal changes, they eliminated the coordinator at that time, who was a federal employee. There were 500 RCDs throughout the country, and a lot of them had to close because they couldn't afford it. We were very fortunate that the council we had had put enough money aside that we could survive, go out and get grids, get an office, and we were already a 501c3, so we were a nonprofit. So we look for grant money all the time. And that's part of the reason why we have to charge for some of these workshops to help cover the cost. Does your organization ever look for or need volunteers and or donations and things of that nature? Well, we never refuse donations. <laughs> but volunteers we would need for a lot of these programs, either on the day of them or just volunteers in general helping us all work to organize things. With the Aviathon, for the amount of students we have out there, we need an equal amount of volunteers as judges, coaches, advisors, logistics. You know, invisible people that just move people from site to site, grade exams, and just uh, help. Overall, it's having a picnic for uh, 110 of your closest friends with entertainment. Is the best way for people to, you know, go about contacting your organization just to go to the website and find all the contact info there at rircd.org? That would be great. Yes, that's very helpful. All right. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining us on the show this morning. Really appreciate your time and all that you do. Thank you very much for uh, highlighting it. We really appreciate it. That is Paul Dolan, Area Director for the Conservation and Development Council, our guest here on Community Matters. My thanks to Paul for being our guest. Also, thanks to my producer, Laura Minacucci, and most of all, thanks to all of you for tuning in. My name is Scott Credishy. Have a great weekend, everybody. Be sure to join us again next week for another edition of Community Matters with your host, Scott Cordishi. If your group or organization would like to be part of the show, email us at communitymatters at weei.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 